This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now, at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, thanks for stopping by. We'll be taking a good gardening stroll shortly, but right now you can give us a call at 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 with your questions, comments, or concerns. And, Mr. Kelly, yes, you're very much in the sports world, all kinds of different sports and stuff like that. Pretty much. I find it very difficult to follow anything. I can't keep up with anything and related to the sports world anymore. It's, you know, there's so much information out there. So much. I remember when I was doing, I was I did the Royals pre- and post-game shows in Kansas City for three years. And that was before the Internet, really, early 90s. And so, you know, the the amount of information that was available was a lot less. And it was, you know, yeah, I, I, the sporting news was my Bible, like, you know. <laughs> and now it's like you just pop it and there's so much information out there that I could see that, you know. It's it's, it's overwhelming. It can be, I, for I mean, sure. it's like a tidal wave. Yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> I, I kind of, <laughs> yeah, I kind of boil it. I've kind of really boiled it down to where, I mean, I, I watch hockey all the time. Uh, I'll watch baseball some, I'll watch college football some, and I'll watch, you know, college basketball some, but I pretty much narrowed it down to, to following hockey really closely, <laughs> and then the other ones, you know, pretty much. Yeah. So, you, you kind of, to me, you kind of have to, but. I figured yeah. there had to be some kind of trick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's my trick. Great. So, well, thanks, Brian. You bet. It is Saturday morning, and we're going to get together and have a roundtable discussion on what's impacting your backyard. I mean, that rain was a lot of rain the other day, but goodness gracious, it was really getting dry, so thank goodness it came. And luckily, the day before it rained, I watered my landscape, so that softened everything up. So then the majority of the rain that came down into you know, my yard, more or less, uh, actually soaked into the ground and benefited the plant materials. It was like, whoa, but how's your side yard looking? And uh, how about that specialty garden space? Didn't quite turn out like you thought. And, oh, those house plants! you took them out, <gasps> sat in the sun for one day, and, whoo, they got sun burnt. Now what's going to happen? What is potting mix? Do you need to improve your soil before you do anything? How about a, creating a raised bed circumstance? Should you be pruning and shearing this time of year? And what are those sticky things all over the leaves of your plant materials? Well, those sticky things are where the aphids have already fed so when they stick their proboscis into the leaf to suck, let's say, sap out of the leaf, when they pull their proboscis back out, that leaves a sticky spot there. 
and then that could turn into mold and all kinds of other problems as well. We'll use the information that I'm going to share with you to uh, make the decision, solidify, and uh, ah, this is a, a tough world out there with this plant material. Just like today, I mean, your your plants are not going to be impacted by this, you know, the cool temperatures, but still this up and down and all around has just been incredible this year. It's unbelievable. And by the way, this is your show, and I appreciate you inviting me into your home car or wherever you happen to be listening. Now, they're very important players. Alex, he's producing. He also answers the phone, so he pretty much takes care of everything. I'm Mike Miller. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994, and I can come to your home and do a landscape consultation, which I'd call a walk and talk. If you'd like to have me come to your home, you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. On the homepage is my email address and phone number. You can reach me, and then we'll set up a time because I cluster appointments you know, to minimize my road time. Well, let's get moving. That's enough of that stuff. Uh, today's stroll is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Eight-foot section, six-foot-high wrought iron fence. A gate attached to cut stone pillars. Uh, probably an eight-foot-wide exposed aggregate sidewalk. Go straight east. A sign tells of outdoor recreation facilities funding by various departments and foundations. Across the street is the Gateway Science Academy, and this is on Gravoy. Where am I? Well, I'm at St. Marcus Park. The site was originally Old, old St. Marcus Cemetery, and it was rededicated in 1972 in memory of the veterans of all the wars that have fought to keep America free. And some of the gravestones still remain in this vast fields and lawn and everything else. The lawn, the lawn is a nice combination of clovers, lawn, uh, wild strawberries, bindweed, and things like that. It's just it's a neat place to kind of walk. It's This is the top of a hill, but if you go east on the pathway, you'll wind down through this area, and it's really kind of a, just a nice, easy stroll down the hill. So it's pretty much fun. And some of the gravestones, there is, when you go in the, some of the grave, as I said, gravestones remain. And occasionally I walk over just to kind of see how old they are and stuff. I mean, there's some from the early 1800s. That's just kind of incredible. There's the trees-wise, there's some huge historic trees there. And they blend in with other trees that have been recently planted. Some relatively new, like only four-inch caliper. Some a couple years old and a 12, 14-inch caliper, and it's oaks and maples mainly, and some elms. There's a flag dedicated to those who died in service for our country, and it's from the American Legion Post 341. The area on the top, you know, with a sweeping pathway, heads down to the Christie Greenway. And uh, to, if you go to the left, there's a bunch of headstones. I guess they took them up out of the cemetery and just kind of built them into walls there. And it's just kind of amazing how many there are and, you know, from what date some of these things are. And it's amazing. The chilly breeze was making some nice noise, you know, with the leaves and the trees and add the birds with their uh, tenor sounds and altos and everything else. It was really kind of a nice day, but oh, it was pretty cool. The pathway to the right leads to a circular bench shaded area with a sign that says St. Marcus Park part of the River de Pair Greenway. The bindweed flowers, ooh, they were too cold. They were folded up. 
So that was really kind of a surprising thing. But uh, it's, uh, I just started getting a little bit cool, so I thought, well, my page is filled anyway, so I thought I'll head back to my car and then head down to the station. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, I want to thank Aaron Lynn Vogel from the Missouri Botanical Garden for sitting in for me last week. Tracy and I took the time off and just uh, had some fun hanging around town. So anyway, let's start off in Ann's yard, and she lives in West County. Hi, Ann. Hello, Ann. Um, Mike? Yes. Okay. Um, I have a, an old pin oak tree. Um, it has galls on it, and mm-hmm. I know you said, don't worry about it. <clears throat> but now the galls have taken over the tree. Oh. I have probably as many galls as I have leaves this Whoa. year. Um, what, is there a professional I could, is there a way that, I don't want to kill the tree. Is there a way we can save the tree? Uh, depends upon, I mean, have an arborist take a look at it. But from the your description, if there's more galls than there is foliage, that's not well, a good sign. I wouldn't say there's more, but there's probably just as many. This right. is the first year where it was like, oh, my goodness, this tree is not looking good. Yeah. Because I'm, when I look up, I see lots and lots of galls. And, you know, there's leaves, but not not like in previous years. Yes. Um, so Now, yeah. when you say an arborist, are you talking about just a tree man or, um, you know, like a, just a tree service? Are they all arborists? Well, I would ask them. I mean, you could certainly go to different kinds of tree services. I mean, I don't know what part of town you live in. Oh, you live in West I mean, County. But, I, uh, County, yeah. I mean, Timberline Trees, all their staff members are all arborists. All that is is okay. they've just got another, let's say, layer of education, which makes them better, better able to analyze a circumstance to say, yes, you don't have to worry about this. You do have a lot of galls. We'll see what we can do for you. Or, oh, you've got so many at this particular point, this tree is kind of destined for only heading downhill, you know, not okay, necessarily so quickly, but over a period of time. So it's just another, it's a separate layer of just training. That's what it is. So that's what, yeah, that's what I was saying. So Timberline is somebody that has people who are definitely arborists. Yes, correct. Right. Okay. Now let me ask you one more quick question. There is a tree that's blooming right now, and the blossoms look like clumps of white, 
lilacs, but it's a tree. It's not right. a bush. And the smell is the most divine thing I've ever smelled in my life. Do you know what that is? It's a fringe tree, F-R-I-N-G-E. Okay, is it a tree you wouldn't want in your yard? Because I only seem to see it in commercial places. No, there's I'd love a, to have one. There's plenty of them in yards. When I'm walking around through the neighborhood and, and stuff like that, when I take my daily walks, there's plenty okay. of them out there. Because it's, it's absolutely the smell is, is uncontrollable. Right. But I was, th- I was thinking that since maybe, you know, I only see them basically in commercial places, maybe there's not own one. But you say they're okay. Oh, yeah, that's, they're fine. They're in the Woodland Garden, at the Botanical Garden. There are, you know, lots of different places besides just commercial locations. Okay, it's called a fringe tree. Right. And okay. I can Thank give you the you botanical much. name, but just F-R-I-N-G-E, fringe tree. Okay. And that will give you the botanical name. The genus is Chiononanthus, but uh, you don't need to know okay. that. They don't need to know that. Okay. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Sure. My pleasure. And now let's go from West County to South County and see what's going in, going on in Phil's yard. Hi, Phil. Uh, thank you, Mike. I've got some real nice-looking zucchini leaves, but they have a white, blotchy stuff all over them. And they look healthy, but there's no holes or anything in them. It's just, just white stuff. I don't know what it is. Yeah, it's probably just a you know kind of a powdery mildew type thing, and it's a re- in relationship to the humidity and the rains and everything we've had. So uh, there's at this particular juncture, there's really not too much you can do about it. You could go to your favorite garden center and tell them that you've got this on your plants and see if they would recommend a particular fungicide that you could spray. But usually it's more of a cosmetic thing than it is something that's going to be you know, problematic for the plant. So in other words, aesthetically, you go, ugh, but the plant doesn't, you know, it does hurt them, but it doesn't do all that much damage. Lilacs get it. You know, several other plants get you know something very similar to that. I have some. I have some uh, fungicide stuff. I just let go. And that's what happens to them. Okay. Because they look real healthy. Okay. Thank you. Yep. My pleasure. And thanks for calling. Thank you. And right. now let's go to Barbara's yard. Hi, Barbara. Good morning. Good morning. Um, in my landscaping. Uh, I have rocks, and there are these little, small, red bugs. They are bright, bright red. Are they, uh, will they cause a problem, you know, with my, um, I have knockout roses, um, you know, some Shasta daisies, things like this. Will they cause a problem for the plants that I have? For the most part, no. They're red clover mites is what they are. So you go, oh, mites. But they really don't do damage to the plant material. But when the weather starts heating up, I mean, you could you, in various locations and circumstances, you can see them running all over like sidewalks and like what you have over the rocks and everything else. But they really are not really all that damage prone. But if you wanted to get rid of them, use a miticide. That's going to be the best way is versus an insecticide. Okay. Okay. And um, one other question. I, um, for my potted plants, about every two weeks, I use a a fertilizer. My mom gave me something for blooming uh, plants. So maybe like my impatience, begonias. Should, Should I alternate or should I just use one plant food and that's it? Or use both? I, I don't really, there's no specific directions. Right. 
I alternate. I've, you know, I have a couple different ones, and just depending upon what I want to do, that particular one. So I just rotate in between. I've got three different things. So okay. you could certainly do that. Every two weeks is a little bit often, but uh, there's nothing wrong with it. Okay. All right. All right. Thank you. Sure. My pleasure. Yeah, the red clover mites, uh, I'll tell you what, this cool weather will send them where you want to see them. They really like the heat. And now let's head to Tom's yard. He lives in O'Fallon. Hi, Tom. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, I have a couple of pruning questions. I have a lilac on standard that I prune at this time of the year. Mm -hmm. And I try to prune it back to the last flowering or last uh, leaf buds that I observe and cut right in front of that. Is it possible to cut further in without destroying the process of the tree? Yeah, I mean, as long as you're doing it now within the relatively, let's say, four to six weeks after it's finished flowering, you don't have to worry too much about it. And uh, and also doing it earlier as opposed to later, the flower buds are not setting or anything else. But if you prune later on in the season when the sun really gets intense, then you could sunburn some of the things that were going to be shaded or were shaded by the, the, t- the tips of the branches and twigs and stuff that you've cut off. So that's where the disadvantage of pruning later is. But uh, just, you know, get it done before it gets too intense, before, let's say, no, the first I, day of summer. Yeah, I always do it around this time. But okay. it, it seems to keep getting larger, and we want to try and get the crown a little bit, you know, smaller on it. And I right. didn't want to go beyond where the leaves are going to butt out. Yeah, okay. so you should be okay. All right, then the second one is on, um, I have some crimson maples, maples. I would like to cut off the lower branch or two so I don't have to duck under it. Is this a good time, or do you do that at a different time of the year? Well, the maples, beech, and birch trees prefer to, as far as sap flow and things like that, prefer to be pruned during warmer weather versus in the wintertime or fall or something like that. So you're at the ideal time to do it. And if it's a longer branch, just make sure you cut it off in sections so it doesn't tear the bark, you know, or tear the branch that the the section you're cutting off is attached to. Okay. And the last one are with, I've got some white pines and Colorado spruce or blue spruce. um, And the lower branches, as it gets uh, more heavy, tend to drag on the ground. Right. Can I cut those off now or when is the time? Time for cutting those. Those you should do it during the winter time, or coming okay. when we're coming out of winter time. So okay. let's say sometime uh, around Valentine's Day, get out there and do it before, let's say mid or late March. All right. Thank you very much for your help. Sure, my pleasure. And yep. now let's see if we can get another call in before we go to break. And let's head over to Mary's yard. Hi, Mary. Oh, good morning. Uh, hi. Uh, I. I. Uh, originally had three trees in my home when I moved in years ago. Now I have none uh, because of weather, uh, damage, and so forth. So my question, I want to plant a tree in my front yard, um, but I want something real simple. I don't want anything that grows real tall, uh, uh, just something simple and, and beautiful and easy to care for. And also, I, I know I'm in South City, so I would have to get the city's approval. I do want to put something out curbside. So what would your recommendations be? As far as probably, I mean, you're looking at ornamental trees, so you've got 
things where you could put a serviceberry tree in that flowers in the springtime before the dogwood does, has nice fall color and has small fruits on it. So serviceberry would be one option. I mean, there's sweet bay magnolia. There's really several different. The fringe tree, I don't know if you were listening earlier, but the, the one that's fragrant and was flowering right now, that's an, you know another option. So there's really a lot of different, you know, there's red bud trees that have purplish leaves. There's Japanese maples. All those are going to be trees that have aesthetic values that are not going to be big like oaks and maples and all the other stuff. Okay, okay. Excuse me, what about for the curbside? Uh, that's, you know, the city's going to have to probably approve whatever you're going to put in there. Okay. So that and, would, and is it too? Okay, okay. You know, I'm guessing as far as that goes, usually they do the planting themselves. So uh, I don't know. Yeah. You know, what, you know, what they would Just give them a call. Give the forestry department a call and see what they say. Okay. Well, thank you so much, and have a good uh, holiday weekend. You do the very same thing. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We've got some phone lines open, so if you have any questions, give us a call. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? Then you're going to want to tune in to the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Have you noticed that there are several different varieties of trees throughout the entire region that are not looking good? They're not leafed out entirely and everything else. They may have anthracnose. And with this cool, wet weather again returning, the anthracnose diseases in several trees. It's a fungus disease, and it really causes some problems. It doesn't necessarily kill, but it really impacts maples, elms, oaks, sycamores, poplars, and ash trees. And some of the symptoms in the early spring, you're going to see some on the foliage as it's just coming out. You're going to see some dark brown spots, and it's just going to get worse and worse, and then the tree's going to start dropping those leaves. So that's really a problem. And so it's transmitted by winds and things like that. So it's kind of, you know, it's really, you don't have to have a bores or you don't have to have something like that to move it from one tree to the next. And the, what you need to do, if you do have a tree or you have trees close by that have the anthracnose, is keep those infected leaves and branches and everything raked up and cleaned up because it favors, this disease favors high humidity and cooler weather. And, you know, with the, a day like this, this is exactly what it is, high humidity and cool weather. So just watch out for that anthracnose, A-N-T-H-R-A-C. 
N-O-S-E. So check out Anthracnose if you think you might have one of your trees may have the problem. So where should we head first? Let's go to Freeburg, Illinois, and see what's going on in Bill's yard. Hi, Bill. Morning, Mike. How are you? Very good. I got a tomato question. Uh, my plants, they, they grow exceptionally well. They get five or six foot tall. But as the tomatoes start to ripen, the bottom of the plants start turning brown and die from the bottom up. And by the time August rolls around, I got about three foot dead on the bottom and three foot alive on top. And I had the soil tested last year, and I did the, followed all the recommendations for the stuff to put in. And also looked on the internet, and it said it could be from overwatering or a lack of nitrogen. And I just uh, I don't see any bugs or anything like that on them. Right. But I was wondering what what's going on. Uh, to me, it's lack of calcium. If what you have is blossom end rot. If that's on the tomatoes or the plants, just in general, you can't really overwater tomatoes. I mean, I shouldn't say you can't, but they do need a lot of water. But they need to, you have to use a fertilizer specifically formulated for tomatoes. Don't use any yeah. kind of general fertilizer. Don't use malorganized. Don't use anything else. Get one for tomatoes. Yeah, I, I use that. And it, it doesn't say, and I don't have any blossom and rot. I use the, the, the tomato uh, fertilizer okay. with calcium in it. But this, I never had this problem until the last five or six years. And hmm. now uh, I talked to a, a, a local guy, and he says uh, you need to water it more. And I gave a little bit more water last year, about on average, probably two gallons of water per plant, and it seemed like it made it worse. <laughs> well, are you are you planting in the same location? I rotate them every three years. So to a new location, I you yeah. know I'd even do you know you're doing everything right. So what? It may be variety that you're buying. Are you vi- buying the same variety every year of tomato? Yeah. Yes. So I would probably, t- you know, when you look at the tomato tag when you're buying them, they'll say VFN, you know, resistant to these problems. So just make yeah. sure that it has all those initials, VFNs, you know, on any variety that you're trying to grow. And if it doesn't, switch varieties. Okay, I guess I could try that, like I say, but I've never had this problem for the last five or six years. Yeah. I've never grown tomatoes for almost 50 years, probably. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I mean, it's just, it's got to be related to the variety and just, you know, take a look at uh, those tags and what those uh, letters mean. It's just resistant to some of the problems that you're describing. Okay, but there's there's nothing like spray on the plant at the bottom or anything like that? No. It's not really, I mean, it's a more of an internal type thing, and it's just a sort of a genetic flaw in that particular variety that historically you've never had, but you're getting it now for whatever reason because the environment is changing somewhat. There's no getting around it. And so that's yeah. probably impacting. If this is an older type variety, then you're going to have to move to a newer one. Well, it's a jet star is what I plant. Oh, say. right. That's a pretty old one. Yeah. Like I said, I've always had real good success with them. Right. Until just the last five or six years now, like I say, and I move the plants each year to a different location. So you're doing everything right, so it's got to be related to the plant variety. Okay. Okay, well, thank you very much. Yep. And now let's head to Diana, and she lives in the city of St. Louis. Hi, Diana. Hi, Mike. How you doing? Good. 
have two issues. Um, I have two abelia bushes that normally don't lose their foliage, but because of the weather, they left all. They lost everything. Whoa! And they are coming back, but there's nothing in the center, and there's nothing on like the last three inches of the branches. So is there, should I prune back that part of the branches where I don't see any foliage? Yeah, I mean, I, Abelia, I really like. I recommend it a lot. But the fact they defoliated entirely, that's really kind of strange. Yeah, I called the, um, the nursery that I purchased them from, and they said theirs all look the same way, too. Really? Yes. Hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, so they're relatively new plants, is what you're saying. They're relatively new, yeah. Yeah. So it could be just transplant shock. You know, that could be part of it. But for them to defoliate entirely, that's a little bit scary. And, yeah, anything that hasn't pushed out any kind of new foliage, go ahead and just cut that off. Okay. I have one other question, sure. too. Uh, I have a—I bought uh, caladium bulbs that were already— um, Sprouted. Sprouted. I mean, they were beautiful. I couldn't resist them. And then I put them in, and, of course, the weather happened, and they pretty much died back. Are they going to come back at all? Yeah, when- they, sh- they should push out some more of your know, foliage growth. So what did okay. you do? Did you plant them in the sun? Uh, no. Okay. So you put them in the shade where they need to be. So I'm, yes. su- I'm surprised that the, you know, the foliage died off. I mean— yeah, that could happen, but usually they're pushing out new foliage before, and the original, you know, leaves may die, but it's already pushing out new growth. But uh, they died basically due to that freeze we had, even though oh, I to the them snow. up and everything. Right, they still did not survive. Uh, the roots, I mean, the tubers should be okay. I mean, my uh, cool season or my warm season, like elephant ears and cannas and stuff. It took them forever to start coming up. Now they're finally emerging in almost every you know every place that I planted them. So it just may, you know, might just have to be patient. Okay. All right. Thank you so much. Sure. My pleasure. And um, let's get another call in. Let's go over to Mary's yard. Hi, Mary. Mike. Yes. <laughs> Squirrels. Squirrels. <laughs> I th- I think I have a th- a little family. Uh, I believe there's probably three of them out there. Um, boy, I tell you, what a mess. How can I get rid of them, please, besides <laughs> trapping them? Yeah, I mean, there's, it's, they're very, very tough to get rid of. There's no getting around it. You could try, you know, some peppers. What are they actually doing? They're, they're eating the galls, first of all. They're eating the galls sure. that are in the tree. Right. And then um, whatever else they're eating and whatever it is, it's leaving uh, – Stains on my patio, so that the rain didn't wash away. Um, I'm gonna probably have to power wash my patio to to get rid of all of that stuff. But um, um, I had a Princess Diana clematis, and someone <laughs> ate the 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 strongest branch that was this is a three year old plant, and then they ate the strongest branch. Um, that uh, you know, with the flower, so I had to get out there and clean that up. Right. Luckily, the plant didn't die. So, um, it, it it's just a nuisance, and they're driving me crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's not too much else you can do other than the traps. To be honest, I mean, you could try some of the repellents and see if that works. But generally, or the, some of the peppers 
you know, like chili pepper and things like that. But I mean, you can't put that up into the trees. So in in essence, even if you trap them and get rid of them and have somebody release them someplace else, if you have a yard that's attractive, some other ones are going to probably migrate in. Maybe not immediately, but that's going to be the case. So you you almost, I don't want to say you have to live with it, but you almost have to just live with it. Okay. I should start naming them, right? Yes, exactly. (laughs) Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Sure. My pleasure. All right. Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, back to the phones we go, and let's, where should we head? Let's go over to Don's yard. Hi, Don. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Uh, I have two questions. One is uh, I plan to uh, plant two Japanese maples, and the area that I'm planning on putting them is in front of the house, uh, I got a spot on each side of the, the entranceway when you come in, and the, uh, the area is 16 feet long and four feet wide. Would, would uh, that be too narrow to plant the uh, two Japanese maple, one on each side, you know, for root span and... Uh, does they require a lot of sun because the because the house would be taking some of the light or or sun from the tree, you know, as a background, you know, just the front of the tree would right. probably look like getting just the the light, you know, and it's sixteen by four, sixteen feet long, four foot wide. Yeah, to know? be honest with you, that's way too narrow. It's way too narrow. Yeah, because, I mean, there's no variety of Japanese maple that's not going to get wider than that. Then it's going to start impacting on access to the front door with the, on the sidewalks and everything else. The lighting factor is not a problem. It's just the space is not a good one. I see. There's really not too many trees. that. I mean, there's some upright varieties of hornbeams and things like that, but for the most part, there's not too many trees that are going to be able to grow in a spot that's only four feet wide. Yes, four feet wide, 16, 16 right. feet long. So it's not, uh, I mean. What about pom-pom trees uh, out by the driveway, one on each side? Pom-pom trees? You mean pawpaw? Yes, sir, yes. Uh, you could probably, as long as you push them away from the driveway and make them so they don't grow out over the street or over your driveway. Take a look, you know, before you decide that's the tree you want to use, look online and see how big this tree is going to be as far as width-wise. And that's make the decision on where you want to put it according to that. People many times don't plan for maturity. And often I go to people's homes where things have been planted either way too close to the house or too close to the sidewalk or too close to the driveway. So you got to really look at maturity, even though initially you're going to think, gosh, this looks kind of sparse or scarce. And planning for the future is the best thing you do with plant material. Right. I, I try to uh, uh, keep that in mind, the maturity, because I know uh, this Japanese maple, 
I don't want it no taller than about, oh, like the umbrella tree, or just a little bit taller, you know. Yeah, and that, those uh, are going to be way too wide. Oh, okay. All right. It, that's any species other Japanese maple, right? Any, right. Any one you buy. So stay away from that one then. Right, okay. exactly. Uh, uh, all right, now, uh, my last question is, uh, do... Uh, it slipped my mind, Mike. I'll, I'll keep listening to the show, and maybe it might come back to okay. my memory, and I'll I'll get back with you. That's fine. Yeah. All right, and thank you for taking my call so much. Sure, my pleasure. Yes, folks, we're probably not going to try to get another call in because we're getting really near the end of the hour. But uh, this is a transition time. Even though it's so cool right now, just realize that if you have a cool season lawn, a fescue or a bluegrass, you stop fertilizing. So no fertilizer on that type of lawn at all. Now, that's the cool season lawn. Stop fertilizing them as we go into summertime. But on the warm season, the zoysas, this is the time of year where you really start stepping up the fertilizing and just uh, make sure that you're getting a fertilizer. Ideally, you're going to get a soil test done to find out what the nutrient level is. Now, you're not going to have to get a fertilizer that exactly fits the circumstance. But if you have a circumstance that the soil test says you have a lot of phosphorus or potassium, then you're going to have to get a fertilizer that has those last two numbers that are lower. So that's really important because those can cause more problems for your plant material. That's the trouble. We put fertilizer down, thing is helping, and it could just be causing more problems. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. See you after the news. Now, at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, it's the Garden Hotline, I think. Yeah, but then the tip of the trial will be going, I'll be giving it shortly. But right now, you can give us a call, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 with ideas, questions, concerns, or comments. And Mr. Kelly, before you take off, I see the flags are at half staff. Is that because Memorial Day weekend? Uh, it well, you know, usually it would be, but uh, it's been since a mass shooting, the latest one, I think. Oh, is that right? Yeah, because so that's I thought probably been part down of it for too. A while. Yeah, they have been. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, oh they keep finding reasons to lower them. Yeah. So yeah, we've I got a great view because we can see the Soldiers Memorial right out our windows. But uh, you know, I'm always curious on you know. Why those yeah. are that? So. Yeah, I know a lot of they are a lot too often. Yes. too often. By the way, there's a group of citizens who are heading down to the Soldiers Memorial here. I think they might be getting there about now. They're going to clean up the grounds a little bit here this morning. Oh, you're kidding? Yeah, so that's uh, that's kind of neat. Yeah. So a salute to the folks who took action. Saw that there was some litter and broken glass around there last weekend, and kind of just organized this. And, and they're going out there today to clean it up. So yeah, I a think salute. There, was, there was an event there yesterday too. I believe. Yeah. And I'm sure there'll be events there this weekend, right? Monday for sure. Exactly. Yeah, it's a it's a beautiful place. Absolutely. Yeah. That remodeling uh, really yeah. made did a great it. great job. <laughs> yes. yes. It was pretty funky before. Yeah. Nothing wrong with it. it was just funky. <laughs> it was getting it was getting a little old and worn, and <laughs> right. now it's been upgraded and it's beautiful. Yeah. Well, yes. great. Thanks, Good Brian. Back. Yes, folks, and thanks for having me on your show. We can discuss plant selection, caring for ups and downs. Whether it's annuals, bulbs, edibles, ground covers, houseplants, lawns, perennials, roses, trees, shrubs, vines. I'll share my thoughts, but please remember my answers, comments, and opinions. 
is not the only garden path to take to have success, but it's strictly offered for you to consider. Alex is across the big board. He is producing. So if you call, he just needs your first name and where you're calling from. Uh, During the week, I do landscape consulting and on weekends, too. Today, after the show, I'm headed to, I guess that's South County. It's off Kennelly Road uh, in between uh, Tesson Ferry and Gravoy. So I'm going to be heading out there. And uh, you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, the homepage. That's where my email address and phone number is. Contact me, probably either phone or email, and then I'll get back in touch with you, and I'll let you know because I cluster appointments and according to locations, so I don't have to spend so much time on the road. I find road time really boring. But anyway, enough of that stuff. Uh, Forty-plus years of experience I'll share when I come to your home. And the tip of the trial is a special recognition for an individual group or situation that's made an impression on me, and it's brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. And tip of the trial goes out to kind of the whole concept behind Memorial Day. Previously, it was known as Decoration Day. It's a federal holiday in the United States honoring and mourning the military personnel who have died in the performance of their military duties while serving in the armed forces. And the holiday is observed the last Monday of May. It was formally observed on May 30th, and, you know, they've kind of changed that to make it the last Monday. And many people will visit cemeteries and memorials on Memorial Day to honor and mourn those who have died while serving the U.S. military. Many volunteers place an American flag on the graves of the personnel, and especially in national cemeteries. So, And here's another part of the tip of the trial thing. Uh, in 1915, following the, ba- the battle, the Second Battle of Ypres, Lieutenant Colonel John McCree, a physician, and the Canadian Exploratory Force saw this uh, basically a field of in Flanders, Holland, of just filled with poppies at that particular time, and that sort of inspired a poem. And then a woman, Molina Michael, actually, at part of the YWCA, she came up with the idea of having a silk poppy pinned to her coat. When she was meeting and distributing, she also took, and this was in 1918, she took some extra ones and gave those away. So tip of the trial goes out to the whole concept behind the Memorial Day and the concept about putting this whole thing with the poppies together. And uh, it's just uh, kind of a really interesting circumstance. I myself have been lucky enough that I, you know, I was in the Air Force. My sister was in the Air Force. My father was in the Navy. My grandfather was in the Army. And uh, I had another step-grandfather that was in the Coast Guard. Basically, none of my family that I know of, that I'm knowledge of, uh, was killed during any kind of war circumstance. But there are so many people that have had that situation that it's just, you know, thank goodness for them. The tip of the trial goes out to all those people who gave their lives for the best part of America. That's what it's all about. So... Let's probably get a call or two in before we take a break. Let's head over to Mike's yard. Hi, Mike. Uh, hello, Mike. Hi. I was calling. I was going to uh, <clears throat> make a comment on a fellow that called about uh, having a four-by-eight area. Couldn't he put a grape arbor there and maybe a swing under it and 
draw the birds. And my question was, uh, is it better to plant strawberries in the shade or the sun? Oh, the sun, by far. Okay. Yeah, the shade, they'll, I mean, they'll grow, but they're not going to produce, you know, the fruit production is going to be really minimal. And that's, it doesn't matter if you're planting ever-bearing or June-bearing, which are two completely different varieties. The June-bearing are going to be finished, you know, producing relatively soon. But the ever-bearing don't produce as much all at once. They produce <clears throat> over a longer period of time. Is it better to plant them in the fall or the spring? Uh, availability in the fall, I think, is going to be pretty minimal. I would say probably springtime is going to be the best. Okay. Thank you. Sure. My pleasure. And now let's go over to Diane's yard. Hi, Diane. Hi, Mike. Hi. I have a question about a black gum tree. Mm -hmm. We had it planted almost three years ago in our front yard, and it was doing just fine. And this year it doesn't look well. It has a lot of bare branches on it. The branches seem supple, but supposedly it's an easy tree to grow. What are we doing wrong? Uh Black gums grow, they're native to Missouri, so, I mean, this is their homeland, and they generally grow in areas that are wet. So if this is a spot that's really, let's say, dry in between driveway street or you know, along a you know, concrete pavement, that could be part of the problem. So my guess is maybe that the fact that it might be just a little bit too dry for its overall health. Well, it's planted in a in a totally grassed area. It's not near anything, anything okay. concrete. So we should just be giving it extra water. You think that would help it? Yeah, I would You know, probably think that would be my recommendation, at least at, this t at that time. And maybe this winter do something called deep root feeding, where you get an electric drill, you auger holes around the perimeter and backfill those with compost. Because even though your lawn may look pretty good right there, maybe it's not a good lawn for, you know, the overall health of the tree. And uh, it may be just a, a result of the uh, goofball weather that the spring has been. So it might not be anything to be overly concerned with. Okay, so we should just hang in there a bit longer. Yeah, and I mean, what I'm talking about as far as extra watering, just run a hose out and put it about four or six inches away from the trunk and just run it at a trickle for, you know, an hour or so to really soak the root system. That's a good idea. Okay, that's great. Okay, we'll, we'll just hang in there a bit longer. Right. Thank you. Certainly. Bye -bye. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We've got some phone lines open and... Why don't we head over to Cindy's yard? Hi, Cindy. Hi. Good morning. Good morning. I um, I have three coral honeysuckles, uh, honeysuckle vines, and they're growing on a fence. And two of them are ha are have some uh, the growth, the new growth that's shooting out from them, has turned a chartreuse color. The leaves are a little bit uh, curly. They're curling under. And um, I turned the leaves over, and there's uh, speckled residue on the back of those leaves. And on some of the leaves, they're turning like a rust. They're kind of, they're not really um, turning, you know, like crispy critters when they fall in the fall. Right. But they're turning, has a, they're ha they have a rust on them. 
So do you have any ideas about that? It sounds like it's got to be an insect circumstance. So the okay. best thing to check for bugs is either early in the morning or later in the day. In the heat okay. of the day, a lot of the insects kind of just hide out because it's right? just okay. too intense. But my guess would probably be it's either spider mites or thrips okay. or aphids, one of those three. Okay. Does seven work on those? Yes, but you got to spray it directly on them. On the, on the insect? Yes, because just to okay. spray in general doesn't do anything. Now, what you can do is go to your favorite garden center and tell them that you've got a problem with insects and see if they have a systemic, S-Y-S-T-E-M-I-C, systemic insecticide, and put that in the ground and let it go up through the vascular system. But it's going to take a while before that's going to become somewhat effective. So go after them, you know, by watching it or looking on a daily basis or every other day or whatever you choose and spray directly on any kind of bugs that you see there. And could I do both, like the systemic and the spraying? Yes. Great. Okay. Thank you so much. Sure, my pleasure. Yeah, I uh, Tracy really likes rhubarb. She doesn't like, I mean, rhubarb pie. So we've grown rhubarb for a couple different times. And so I got a new rhubarb plant this year, and I thought, hmm, this doesn't really look all that good. And I turned a couple of rhubarb leaves under to look at it. I could not believe there was aphids all over the place. So, I mean, apparently from where I bought this, it was already infested with the aphids because there's nothing else in my landscape or anything else that has the aphids. So I've been out there going after them, squashing them and everything else. And uh, generally I don't use too many pesticides just for the fun because I want to see really. I use, this, use my landscape as an educational circumstance. So I want to see what kind of damage that the insects are going to do. So if I use a pesticide, that would get rid of the problem entirely. So this way I can see whether it's in my lawn, whether it's the trees, whether it's the perennials, whether it's, you know, edibles or whatever. So when somebody calls, I can say, yes, this is what's going on. So that's, you know, in the field experience. So uh, let's go now over to Peggy's yard. Hi, Peggy. Hi, Mike. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, We got a hardy banana tree back the end of April Uh and planted it. Now, how much water should we be doing, you know, giving it per day? Uh, not You don't have to water every day. Oh, they were kind of the garden place was kind of saying make sure it's moist but not too moist, you know. Yeah, I mean, just you don't want it to go through a drought circumstance. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Now, I mean, what you... about fertilizing? We had tried, like, the Asmocote and also a little miracle Grow, is because they said they need a lot of fertilizer. Well, they do need a lot. I mean, they need nutrients, yes. Mm-hmm. To me, nothing against the company or anything else, but Osmocote has never really been what it was supposed to be. Never for that slow releasing, you know? Yeah. I just, you know, I never found that it was really all that effective. Now, maybe oh. that's just me, my plants, and everything else, but, uh, yeah. you know, sort of the Scott's miracle Grows and things like that, I prefer, let's say, instant impact. As opposed okay. to just being spread out over a long period of time. Okay. What about, is it, nor- we've been noticing, is it normal for the leaves to get brown edges on them or kind of turn yellow? Well, because, I mean, it's because of the, probably related to the goofy weather. So, no, they shouldn't be getting that yet. Yeah, because it's almost like once the leaf opens up and everything, all of a sudden the edges are getting all crispy on right. them. Right. And that. 
So, think it's just a weather thing? Yeah, and, re- and the fact that it's a brand-new plant and it doesn't really have a, a root system set up to send up enough moisture and everything else to keep the leaves looking good. Okay. Now, my husband had read that for, like, the fertilizer, it's supposed to have, like, 810-8 on it. So is that something that to look for on a fertilizer that we purchase? Yeah, I mean, you don't have to get that exact number, but just make sure the first number is nitrogen, second number is phosphorus, and the third number is potassium. So you want the phosphorus to be a little bit higher than the other two. Okay. And um, so it get, now it gets out about at least six hours of sun when the sun's out. Right. So that's kind of about, it's pretty good. And he's been trying, it's been so windy, so he was trying to make like a wind barrier. Whoa. <laughs> So it wouldn't get so whipped around. <laughs> I would say, I mean, if you want to do that, that's fine. I don't think it's, I mean, that's a little bit extreme, but uh, we you don't all need have that. Own. Yeah. Nah. Okay. All righty. Yeah. Now they said this one you can leave, you know, for the winter. You just cut it off and just mulch, put a lot of mulch around yeah, it. Yeah, like or... a foot over the top of it. Okay. So kind of a blanket. Right. Okay. So there's really nothing that we're doing bad about it. It's just the way the weather is. The way the weather right? is in a brand new plant. Okay. All right. Well, thanks for your help today. We've been trying to get these questions answered, and everybody has different opinions. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, you have a nice day. Thank you. Yep. You do the very same thing. And now let's go to Mary's yard. Hi, Mary. Hi. I'm with you on the asthma coat. Yeah. It's like, at first, I I mean, I tried it for several years, and it just... Me too. It was like, it do hmm, right, exactly. Well, my question is, I have a couple of pistachio hydrangeas, and this is their third year, and they they get nice and green, but they haven't grown a quarter of an inch, I swear. And I'm not, the first year when I bought them, they had some really pretty flowers on them, but I don't, I'm not getting anything like that, and they're not growing. What am I doing wrong? I think. I've given it, them more acid, I've given them, I know they're not supposed to be big. Right. But, I would think it's probably variety-wise as much as anything. I just don't think they're a really good variety. Mm. I mean, that's my, you know, I'm guessing. I haven't grown them myself, but uh, if you're doing everything, it sounds like you're doing everything correctly and you're not getting any kind of new growth whatsoever, you know, as far as stem elongation. Uh, and I'm assuming you pl- you have it planted at the proper light location and everything. So I moved one last year, and it's a morning light, which should be enough for it, shouldn't it? Yeah, I would think, as long as it's going to get multiple hours. Now, also, is there any large existing trees close by? No, it's in a bed. Okay. It's got a little henry next to it and some hostas, but no. Okay, so there's no big trees close by within, let's say, 15 or 20 feet? No. Okay. So, I mean, that's then it's not getting or competition between the tree roots in itself as it's trying to get itself established. And, you know, when you move the one, has there been any change from the one you moved as opposed to the one that stayed in the same location? No, not yeah. really. See, to me, that says it's variety-wise as much as anything. It's they were just... so pretty, though. So cute. <laughs> Their flowers were so pretty. Right. Huh. Okay. And, I mean, the, okay. you know, the, the production nurseries and stuff, they have steroids and lots of different things that trigger the flowering to show you what you can anticipate, but not necessarily you're going to be able to, uh, you know, let's say create that same situation or circumstance. 
So I've done mirror acid, which I'm having trouble finding this year. Any suggestions? Uh, I would just didn't have it. Yeah, well, I would say that just, I mean, there's several other fertilizing companies, and I would just get a different variety, go to a different type of company. Yeah, mirror acid has been hard to find for the last couple of years. I know. What is the deal? I don't know. I think they're just cutting back on it or something. I don't know exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. But, uh, well, if I, if I put lime in the soil, that's just going to... No, you I definitely don't want to... Do, yeah, lime is exactly what you do not want to do. Lime. Okay. Well, I thought if I can't find mirror acid, maybe I'll throw some lime in there. No, lime is alkaline, so you're going contrary to what it really, the plant really needs. Okay. So you don't want to do that. Okay. So I would okay, say, so I, I mean, okay. just go, you know, go go to the garden center. I mean, there's Bears, B A Y E R S. Bears is a, you know, they bought uh, Roundup and all this other stuff, but they're also a fertilizing company. There's several different kinds of companies that uh, make fertilizers for, you know, acid-loving plants. And I like Bear's Garden. Yeah, uh, I know. I went there. They usually have it. I know. I got it last year, but I can't find it this year. Yeah, I know. I knew you were talking about the Garden Center on Hampton, but uh, Bear's Mm -hmm. is another company, too. Or just, you know, go online and just ask them, you know, at the, you know, mobot.org and see what it says about, uh, uh, you know, say, fertilizer for acid-loving plants. Okay. Okay, thank you. Sure, my pleasure. Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline. We've got phone lines open, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, back to the phones. We're headed, and let's go over to Doug's yard. Hi, Doug. Yeah, I got a question maybe you can answer for me. Uh, here in my yard, I got like about a, it, it'll do it like after a heavy rain. It looks like a bunch of ant things that come up toward the top of the yard. The Michael, a five-foot section or something where it just looks like a bunch of ants come up. And it'll be in a couple spots in the yard, and I have no idea what it is. So is it ants or is it mounds, little mounds of dirt? Little mounds of dirt. Okay. You know, but it looks like ant ones, but bigger ones. Yeah. Basically what this is is the earthworms is pushing soil up. So it's in after a rain, it generally will do it a little bit more. So it's because of earthworms in your soil. Okay. So nothing to worry about that. No, not at all. That okay. Is, it's a good sign that you've got earthworms in your yard. The people that don't have earthworms have terrible yards. Yep. Yep. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate it. Sure. My pleasure. Let's, let's go from Doug over to Kathy, and she lives in Winsville. Hi, Kathy. Hello. Hi. Hi. Uh, I just have two questions, please. I have an Alberta, Alberta spruce, and it's like maybe 15 years old, and all of a sudden it's just turning brown. So I don't know. I suppose it's dying. Is it brown on just one side, or is it brown all no, the way? No, it's get, it was started started on one side, and now it's coming around to the whole. The whole thing is getting. Yeah, there's some greenery, but I don't know. I, I don't see any insects. Yeah, it's probably just, uh, you know, I mean, generally they, you, you'll find some that have lived a lot longer than 15 years. But for the most part, if you see brown all the way around on any kind of evergreen, whether it's an Alberta spruce, you know, a pine or anything else, it's dead, basically. Um, okay, and, well, I just have to replace that then. Okay, so the other question is I bought a perennial geranium. And uh, it's really a beautiful flower, but it, it gets really leggy, like, you know, it gets 
so it gets all like it's all over the place. It's like a bush. It's not only a contained. Now I don't know what to do. Do I cut that back after it blooms and make it more condensed? You could give that a try and see what happens. Uh-huh. But generally, it, what probably what's happened is there's several different varieties of the hardy geraniums, uh-huh. and some of them are going to be a little bit different than other ones. None of them are going to be like the classic annual type geranium, as far no, as no, no, no. But it's pretty. It's it's beautiful. I mean, it's got flowers right now. Uh, of course, in the summer, it gets uh, doesn't get as many. Right. Uh, it gets hot, you know. Right. But um, so I just didn't know. But I thought, well, if I'm cutting it off, I don't know if I'm cutting the the future uh, blooms. Well, you're going to, I mean, with any kind of perennial that's going to be a re-bloomer, that's kind of what you have to do anyway. So. Okay, okay. Okay, well, I'll try that. Thank you for your help. Sure. Enjoy your program. My pleasure. Thanks for having uh, me on your show. And now let's go over to Bill's yard, and he lives in O'Fallon. Hi, Bill. Yes, thanks for taking the call. Sure. Enjoy your program, as always. Yes, go ahead. All right, I have a question, or in fact, really two. Um, I have a uh, grape arbor with a swing underneath of it, porch swing, and I had uh, two Reliance grapes on each, one on each side, mm-hmm. uh, to you know just to look good, provide some fruit, and they're both good for juice and, and for eating. But I found that they're finicky; uh, that they, uh, you know, not not the easiest to work with. They respond to a lot of things not always in the best way. Now, one of them has died, and I'd like to know uh, what would you recommend? I'm looking for something. I don't mind if it's seeded as long as it's good. What would you recommend to put in the, in the place of the one that died? So you, you're not looking to put the grape back in, correct? No, I would like to. I'd like some kind of uh, grapevine back in there, but it doesn't have to be a reliance. Yeah. Uh, you know, to be... To be honest, uh, you know, for me to recommend a grape for that circumstance, I would say maybe try the Concord. Seated or unseated? It's either way. I would say it probably doesn't make that much difference as far as its hardiness goes. But uh, I would go Concord, you know, because they seem to be, to me, the more the tough ones. Growing up in Ellisville, we had some people on the street that grew grapes, and they always grew Concords. And they always seem to get production off of them. And that was in the days before people did a whole lot of, you know, let's say horticultural-related things. And they were not farmers or anything else. And uh, Okay. All right. And the other question is this. I spent many, many years in southwest Missouri in Greene County in Springfield. And this is uh, the kind of weather and what we're experiencing right now commonly was referred to as blackberry winter. Do you hold to that, or is that just kind of a freak of nature right now, or what? Yeah, you mean as far as what's how you're going to have big, you know, productions of blackberries later on in the season? Well, not only that, but also the fact that it was cool and wet around those times. Right. Um, I would say, I don't know, you know, to be honest. So. Okay. All right. Well, listen, I do enjoy your program. Thank you a bunch. Well, thanks. Yeah. Sorry I can't offer a you know, sort of insight into that. Uh, let's head over to Jim's yard. Hi, Jim. Hey, Mike. Thanks for taking the call. Sure. I got a question about a young holly bush that I uh, dug up from the ground about five years ago. I grew it in a pot. as a, It was a volunteer. Mm-hmm. And I grew it in a pot about uh, three years, and I finally transplanted it in the ground two years ago. 
and now it's about uh, four feet tall and kind of scrawny looking, and uh, it's got about five or six sprouts coming up from the ground. Uh, when do I start pruning it, or how do I prune it to uh, get a good shape out of it? Yeah, it's... I would say growing a holly, you know, what you're doing, you've had success with it to this point. There's really not going to be too much you're going to be able to do that's going to make it, let's say, look like a cla- – cla- I'm assuming it's an American holly or foster holly, the tree type as opposed to the bush type? I think it's the bush type. Okay. Well, then, you know, maybe you don't have to worry. I would say just leave it alone. If anything, leave it alone. It's t- yeah, as these shoots that are coming out, let's say, off the root system, as they elongate – Think about taking this, the original plant and cutting that back and, you know, sort of as close to the ground as you can or pretty low and let those new shoots, which are, let's say, new, more robust growth, give, give them a chance. And I'm assuming you're fertilizing with, you know, an acid-based fertilizer because any kind of evergreen needs an acid-type fertilizer. And, right. Uh, so if you're doing all that and you planted it correctly where the top of the root ball is above the surrounding ground, that's about all you can do. Okay. So um, I'll try that. Thank you, Mike. Sure. My pleasure. And now uh, let's go over to Betty's yard. Hi, Betty. Yes, sir. I have an oak tree, and it has galls on the ends of the branches. Mm-hmm. What do I do about that? Uh, get a tree service to come out. They can inject the tree. That will help do the you know control. But uh, for the most part, the galls are results of small wasp, non-stinging type wasp. And they, the female just lays her eggs. She injects them into the twigs, and that's what causes that bloated growth uh, is the larvae of the wasp. And that's to protect it from, let's say, birds or anything else from eating them. So just have a tree service come out and let them take a look at it. Okay, because those things are terrible to step on. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> okay, thank you. Yeah, and I mean, the, the problem with that, too, is, you know, squirrels will kind of chew the branches and you'll know, get them all over the ground and everything else. They'll drop on their own because of that weak spot could snap them off in a higher wind. So anyway. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. Back to the phones we go. Let's head over to Gerard's yard. Hi, Gerard. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for your service. I got a, uh, it's a miniature bald cypress tree. Um, They go about 25 foot, and I put it in the ground uh, a little over a year ago. But at any rate, when it come out this year, they're 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 late in getting green because I watch the other cypress trees around. Right. But only half of it, the front half of it, uh, seems fine. But the, I'd say fifty percent of it, at least fifty percent, maybe sixty, is there's no growth on it whatsoever. Now along the bottom by the ground, there's lots of little branches coming out, but the the main stalk in the center, you know, it's about it's only about seven foot tall. And, uh, you know, half of it didn't green up. I was wondering if I should just, you know, what I should do with that. Now, are you talking about just, let's say, towards the trunk doesn't, or are you talking about branches having no growth on them at all? The the back side of it. uh, The back side of the branches have, you know, it goes up and splits. And one half of it where it splits is greening up nice slower than most but the other the backside just there's no growth none so as a backside around the trunk 
around the trunk there is, but you know, um, but right, you know, the whole half of the tree looks like it's dying or dead. Yeah, and I was wondering should I prune that or replant it or just don't replant it. Is a is a backside that's not greening up? Is that next to uh, a shaded circumstance, whether it's a building, tr- other trees, or anything else? Yeah, yeah. There's trees behind it that are big, big pine trees. You well, know, that's uh, probably part of the factor as well. Okay, and it doesn't get a tremendous a lot of sun. Uh, you know, I mean, I get sun in my yard, but you know, you have to get up about eleven o'clock or so before it really gets in the sun. Right. Well, I'd say from about eleven to three, it's in the sun pretty good. Yeah, but that's not. Just, that's not a whole lot of sun for them. I see. So that's probably okay. what the problem is. Yeah. Well, what do you suggest then? I mean, I. Uh, I mean, the only other thing I can do is move it to where it gets more sun. But I don't. <laughs> yeah. Do it either if I could help it, because I, I don't know. I paid a hundred some bucks. I haven't went back to the people I bought it from. They're nice. They may, you know, uh, take care of me on it or, or have a suggestion. But I just thought I heard you on this morning. I thought I'd give you a call. Yeah. So I would say. You could try moving it if you wanted to, but uh, I would say it's where it is. Just leave it alone, and, I mean, just you're not going to have a picture-perfect tree. There's no getting around it no matter what you do. I see, yeah, because they only get about 25. You know, a bald cypress tree, they get 78 feet. I right. Mean, they're big, they, some of them grow in water, you know, so I did make sure they had enough water and stuff. But uh, this thing only grows about 25, 30 foot, you know, yeah, at the that's, most. That's still pretty and big. Probably, and probably 10 foot wide, right. you know, I'd say at the most. So, uh, But okay, well, thanks for your suggestion and your service, and uh, we'll go from there. Okay, great. Good luck. And Clifton, can you do it really quick? Hello? Can you do it quickly? Yes, I can. I have a river birch tree that has two trunks on it. It's about 20 years old. One trunk from the ground up is about as tall as my two-story houses get full, has full leaves. The other trunk has almost nothing on it. My neighbor across the street has a larger tree with probably five trunks, also a river birch. It is completely bare. Uh, I'm wondering what uh, I can do about that. Uh, I would say... If the tree has been healthy up to this point, just leave it alone. So it's probably related okay. to, because I don't know if you were listening early, but look at, uh, there's a disease called anthracnose. They may have anthracnose because that causes okay. it. And so that may be the problem as much as anything. And uh, okay, I would say, you know, don't, don't fool around with doing a whole lot. River birch are pretty tough stuff. Okay. Should I call a tree service or just leave it alone? I would say you could have a tree service come out and take a look. It wouldn't hurt. Okay. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Sure. My pleasure. And for the last few moments, uh, zoysia lawn people, now's the time to fertilize as the temperature grows and as they increase. So this is when you fertilize your zoysia. And the frequency of mowing is at least once a week, if not twice a week. And make sure your mower blade is sharp as zoysia leaves and seed heads are quite coarse. So you don't want to just beat them up. You want to cut them off. And using your mower to mulch, you know, and that's probably the best thing to do. A lot of people don't do that. If you bag the clippings, that's fine, but you don't need to. If the clippings are less than an inch, let them fall back onto the ground because that's really kind of a natural, subtle fertilizer. So... That's one of the best things you can do as far as in relationship to your lawn. 
So there's all kinds of stuff going on. This is a new month coming up. Happy Memorial Day, everybody. Oh, thanks. Mike Miller, KMYS Garden Hotline. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.